Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, Transformers Animated Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm back from outer space and... Oh, shit, there's more words to that song that I can't remember. I'm David. And uh, you just came to find uh, us here with that uh, dumb look upon our face? Sure. Yes. Yes. And today's episode is the 17th episode of Transformers Animated, uh, the first episode of Season 2, and it first aired April 12th, 2008. So weird with the... I still can't get over the 16-episode season. That's that is weird with three-part pilot. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Scares me. I don't like it. And it is the elite guard because this episode has the elite guard in it. So, so the titles aren't getting any better. They're still they're they're going to get a little better later in the season. I suppose. by Rich Fogel, who previously wrote Total Meltdown and Lost and Found, and will write several more subsequent Transformers episodes. Yay! And we begin very shortly after the cataclysmic events. Oh, actually, before I start, I should note that the opening sequence has changed subtly. It has? There are extra sound effects in it. Ooh! Oh, Weirdly enough, it actually changed with the last episode of last season, but I forgot to mention it. Huh. Oh. Interesting. I don't know why they changed it, but I think it sort of stays that way off and on for the rest of the show. Reasons for reasons. Yes. And yet we open very shortly after the event, the cataclysmic events of Megatron Rising, because Detroit is still all busted up. Yep, and being maintenance bots... Uh, Prime's crew is very well, uh, they're in a good place to help with that. Prime is even a dump truck now. Yeah. He's just whatever kind of truck. It's, you know, maybe he's got, like, several different uh, trailers that he can just choose from, from, mm-hmm. you know, subspace. Subspace is crowded. Well, yeah, I mean, come on. Of course it is. And, uh, com- and unfortunately, the Autobots, who were once, you know, the heroes of the city, are now hated and feared by the world they've sworn to protect. Aww. <laughs> Poor guys. The residents of Detroit are terrified of them. <laughs> well, they're annoyed by traffic inconveniences, which, can you blame them? Well, well they're yes, also but... scared of them. Yeah, Optimus Prime is all, hey, no, it's okay, and then everybody just flees in terror. Aww. You know, the, the Detroit Free Press's headline is probably Autobots, Heroes, or Menaces. <laughs> probably. Probably. I need pictures. Pictures of Optimus Prime. Okay, so Optimus is Cyclops, Bulkhead is Beast, Bumblebee is Iceman. I think, um, Prowl is kind of the Wolverine. 
Prowl could be a good gene. He's all like feelsy. It's true. But he's and also a dick s- all the time. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, kind of ratchet is Wolverine. He's the grumpy one. That's true. Although he's also the smart one, which makes him Beast. <laughs> yeah. This is very complicated. Yeah. But Beast isn't grumpy. So... Hmm. Oh, they kind of line up better with the Avengers. Hmm. Yeah, 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 I can see that. Because there's a big green one. The green yeah. guy. Uh, Bumblebee is kind of like a Spider-Man. They all kind of got frozen in ice for 50 years, so. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So there you go. Well, again, that, that's like, where does Ratchet fit? Yeah, there, and there just aren't a lot of old superheroes. Yeah. It's a shame. I mean, when there are, they're like Captain America, and it's just that they were time lost for a little bit. I mean, occasionally you'll get like a cable who is just like a guy with gray hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But who is still built like a linebacker? <laughs> yes. I guess the problem is there aren't really that many grumpy, big name superheroes. They're for like front line. Well, nobody wants a grumpy superhero. I mean, come I mean, again, on. I guess I guess yeah. that's kind of Wolverine, who is grumpy and old. That's true. That is true. Especially now that uh, the Marvel's current Wolverine is Old Man Logan. <laughs> well, and their other Wolverine, who is, who is you know, twenty-three. Yes. yes. We, and we, also- need a, we need a spunky teen Ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the original plan for animated? Uh yes, and actually, the original plan for um, Generation One, Ratchet was going to be a lady. Oh, that's right, because he was going to be Nurse Ratchet. Yes. Which is a little too on the nose. Well, yes. (laughs) Yes. Though that wasn't the reason they sunk it. They sunk it because they didn't want any ladies. Thanks, Hasbro. But yeah, um, wasn't it going to be Red Alert instead of Ratchet in Animated? Yes. As a lady. Mm -hmm. And then that Red Alert shows up considerably later. Yes. Working on poor Hot Shot, who, like, lost a leg. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bumblebee, speaking of, is not actually helping out, because he is working in the still-busted-up Sumdak Tower, uh, working as Sari's secretary, because she is now the CEO of this company. Why would you have, of all of them, like, I would think you would want, like, Prowl, maybe, to be your secretary, or Ratchet. Not not Bumblebee. He's the worst secretary. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's small. Yeah, I guess that's that's fair. I, I think they tried Prowl first, and he was just answering the phone by picking it up and going. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose all the cursing from Ratchet probably wasn't that good. Yeah, also, yeah. instead of thumbtacks, he kept using ninja stars. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see why that would be a problem. They do nothing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, maybe just that just fall into it, the ground. Maybe that makes it worse, is that they, they do nothing, so <laughs> they are not effective. And here, it's Return of the, a character who has sort of been lurking in the background uh, for the entire first season. It's Porter C. Powell. And he's a dick. <laughs> yes, it turns out he is the chairman of the board of uh, Sumdac Systems. Yeah. Which makes so. it weird that he was also funding uh, Prometheus Black back in Total Meltdown. Well, I mean, he, as it turns out, he seemed, he's, 
he seems like someone who's got his finger in a lot of pots here. Yeah, he is super crooked, as it turns out, because he's also somewhat upset that uh, Sari is wasting company resources on trying to find her father, who is missing, and is also, you know, the head of the company. Yeah, I mean, I... He, he definitely, I will say though, however, his, his fashion sense is definitely on point. Uh, he, he is very obviously someone Derek Wyatt saw on an old 70s game show. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, he, uh, he's not a nice guy, uh, but he is definitely, he is your, your basic like evil corporate guy. Oh yeah. And he's got, uh, like, he does have this amazing sort of cream-colored suit with uh, burgundy piping. Yes. It's beautiful. It's so uh, beautiful. Pink-tinted glasses and, like, a, like, what hair that Reed Richards would have. It was kind of a combination mullet and pompadour. Yes. <laughs> and a, a handlebar mustache. Yes. He screams Texas at me, and I'm not entirely sure why. Despite being, like, a black guy. Yes. And having a, a, a fairly pronounced uh, Detroit accent. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Sari cuts him off, but before she can uh, give Bumblebee any further filing orders, uh, there is, terrifyingly, yet another unidentified flying object coming into Detroit. <laughs> this is almost never good. No. It's usually something... That's going to tear some things up. So the Autobots get there, and unlike every alien spaceship in Transformers history, it successfully huh. lands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Is On this the Earth first even. one to ever do that? I might be. <laughs> first one to just straight up land on Earth. Yes. I mean, yeah, even, even other ones that, like, take off from Earth tend to crash right back down to Earth. <laughs> I think the only other one might have been uh, Ravager ship in the agenda. Yeah, that sounds about right. And it ended up crashing in the end anyway. <laughs> good job, good job. So yeah, it, that crashed right back down. Yes. That falls under the category of just crashing again. So the Autobots get there, the police get there first, uh... Captain Fanzone hates robots even more now. And is it here that he calls them robots? Oh, I didn't know. Like, uh, like Dr. Zoidberg? Yes. Robots. <laughs> oh, you know. It's the accent. So it lands, we get a big dramatic reveal of what is coming out of this ship. And it is, thankfully... Three new toys. <laughs> yes, it is. And they've got Autobot logos. Yep, that's the first thing you see is the Elite Guard. As, as There's smoke for some reason, or, you know, vapor. And then, yes, the first thing you see is an Elite Guard Autobot logo. So two of these guys we have seen before. It is uh, Sentinel Prime in all his uh, Townsend Coleman-y glory. Yes! Get uh, Ultra Magnus, still doing a uh, Robert Stack impression. Yes. And we get Jazz, who uh, we have not seen before, and he's voiced by Phil Lamar, uh, who is from everything. Yes, speaking uh, of Futurama. 
Yeah, he was Hermes on Futurama. He was the titular Static Shock. Uh, I think he's also Samurai Jack. Yes, he is. Oh, yeah, yep. he is. Uh, he was Green Lantern on Justice League. And in live action, he's that dude whose head gets blown off in Pulp Fiction. <gasps> what? That's pretty cool. Yes. Unfortunately, this also prompts Quentin Tarantino to use the N-word way more times than a white guy should. Yeah. <sighs> he's also Vamp from the Metal Gear Solid franchise. I don't know. Which makes his ninjutsu here appropriate. Yes. <laughs> He, he's he's kind of like he's kind of like Jim Kelly from Enter the Dragon. Um, sure. Anyway, so uh, yeah, they they get out. We uh, we find out that you know this is the Autobot space, the main Autobot force, basically coming to find out what's going on here. They're they're coming to see what the deal is. Yes, I'm not exactly sure how they know. Do we find out how they know where they ended up? Didn't they send a signal at some point? Thought they did. I can't remember now. I mean, it definitely seems to be. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess they must have said, "Hey, hey, 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 come, uh, come, maybe give us a hand, maybe." Yeah, guys. Oh, huh. yeah, I know. They sent a signal to Ultra Magnus before they got displaced in time and crashed on Earth, right? I think so, yes. But, oh yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if they have contacted that we've seen. No. Huh. Ah. Anyway, oh, so, just they get out there and it turns out that the Autobots have some strange ideas about organic beings, possibly influenced <laughs> by, uh, Sentinel Magnus's unpleasant experience on Planet of the Spiders. Hey. Sentinel Prime. Sentinel Prime. What did I say? D- don't give him a promotion. Oh. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Yeah, and uh, we we get a pretty clear indication of who's, what everybody's deal is here. Jazz is kind of interested in finding out what everybody's deal is, and Sentinel Prime is warning him that the humans will spit corrosive slime at him. <laughs> Because Sentinel Prime has extrapolated everything he knows about organic life from that one time he had a run-in with some spiders. Yes, and, you know, also they killed his girlfriend. Oops. Possibly girlfriend, question mark. So, and Ultra Magnus is kind of sort of halfway between the two viewpoints, but he's kind of, you know, a decent, fair, you know, he's the Ultra Magnus you usually get. He's he's pretty lawful neutral. Yes. Which I and guess he can't deal with that right now. Yes. Yeah, so jazz is lawful good, and uh, what is Sentinel is absolutely lawful evil. I was going to say lawful dick. Well, yeah, but that's basically <laughs> the same sort of thing. So yeah, they they toss a force field to protect them from marauding humans. <laughs> So Sentinel's assigned to give uh, the Autobots the start of a prison movie treatment. (laughs) Yeah, because he's a jerk. Gotta be dignified. Yeah, yeah. Gotta be undignified, because he's really overdoing it. And it's also here where uh, Bumblebee and Bulkhead note that that Sentinel doesn't doesn't remember them. Hey, foreshadowing. Nice. A little bit of plot tease there. As yeah. they note, is probably for the best. Yes. 
Oh, so anyway, it turns out the Autobots are really here. So once Jazz stops Sentinel from overdoing it, uh, Magnus tells the Autobots that the, you know, our crew of Autobots rather, that they're here for the AllSpark. And as you may remember from the last episode, it kind of blew up. Oops. Incidentally, is also what happened at the end of the first movie, which I assume is no coincidence. That's a good point. Hmm. So Sentinel, of course, you know, or rather, instead of blew up, Prime asserts that it was, in fact, dispersed. Uh, Sentinel is, of course, immediately dubious of this because he doesn't like Prime any more than he likes, or he doesn't like Optimus Prime any more than he likes Organics. He says that he's lying. The Allspark is apparently gone, and there's no evidence of any Decepticons on the planet. So yeah, they they almost they almost fight. Uh, Ultra Magnus has to bang his giant hammer on the ground to uh, break everything up. Which I I would like to point out that, I mean, certainly as far as the toys go, Hasbro's become very fond of giving Ultra Magnus hammers. Uh, this is this is where that comes from. Is uh, This is really the, the first Ultra Magnus that's hammer-oriented. Yes. And, yeah, it would become his thing. His... Uh... He has it in Transformers Prime, and then his uh, Generations toy also has one. Yeah, despite being very heavily more than meets the eye influenced. Yes. But why would you not give him a hammer? That's cool true. Thing. Hammers are pretty cool. I assume if he turns up in one of the live-action movies, he will have a hammer. Ooh, that'd be kind of cool. Hmm. So, uh, Magnus is taking, uh, you know, he is... He's calm and level-headed, and he wants Prime to show him exactly what happened. So Sentinel has taken the uh, the initiative of scanning them some common alternate Earth modes <laughs> so that they can go out unnoticed. I like that, you know, for once we actually get a, uh, you know, a call-out of the fact that, no, this is not common nor <laughs> nor subtle. Yeah, because Ultra Magnus turns into a gigantic military truck. And uh, Sentinel Prime turns into a snowplow, which would be pretty common in Michigan if it wasn't clearly the summer. <laughs> yes. Almost. Yeah, which is the thing. How, how do you scan it? I mean, it was winter a while ago in the episodes, but... I mean, they're still around, even when it's not winter. They're just, like, parked in a garage yeah, somewhere, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it would just be weird. So they, uh, so yeah, they just roll out, and indeed Sentinel has no regards to human traffic laws. Or vehicles on the road. Or parked vehicles. Or driving on the right side of the road, because I guess Cybertron is like England. <laughs> I, I figure he just is gonna drive wherever he feels like. And indeed he does go all speed and goes off an uncompleted an incomplete overpass. Good job. Good job. Uh, meanwhile, those Decepticons who were definitely not on the planet are still on the planet. <laughs> yes, I assume that when he says something about, like, carbon deposits masking them, they're in, like, a coal mine? I assume so. I wonder so, if this is the same I... mine from uh, Nature Calls. Hmm. I think it pretty much is, because it's... When we saw it in that mine... That episode, it was a big, really tall purple room, which is pretty much what this looks like. Yes. 
They just move furniture in. Yeah. I, and giant Decepticon symbols. Yes. yes. Those are very important. Yes, you can I get those at Ikea. Mine. My torso <laughs> used to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have to remember that when I go to Ikea next week to help my place to pick up some uh some big Decepticon symbols. And it starts with Lugnut and Blitzwing talking to each other, and Lugnut becomes arm fall off Lugnut. Aww. And indeed, he does beat uh, Blitzwing with his own severed arm. (laughs) (laughs) Lugnut's own severed arm, not Blitzwing's. Yes. They they are bickering. As I suppose one does when one has been holed up for too long in a mine. Especially since these two are especially crazy. Yes. Aw, they're the best. And not even in complimentary crazy ways. No. (laughs) Well, I I think that, like, is a mono-eye thing. When somebody has a mono-eye, they're going to be nuts. Yeah. Oh. It's kind of consistent in, I think, every continuity. I mean, Shockwave isn't. Well, G1 Shockwave in the cartoon isn't. In the comic books, he definitely is. Sort of, yeah, I guess. And then, uh, gee, I don't know if, uh, is, I don't know if there's a shockwave in this, uh, show or not. <laughs> I don't know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Anyway, so Megatron breaks this up and he says, you know, listen, dicks. The, the, the Decepticons lost the Great War for two reasons. A, they had the Allspark, it blew up, so don't worry about that now. Second, they also had all these space bridges. And while I was on their ship, I downloaded a bunch of Space Bridge schematics. So I find this very interesting because historically, it is the Decepticons who tend to have Space Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the, yeah, the Generation 1 thing, Generation 1 definitely, the Space Bridges were 100% a Decepticon thing. Yes, all those ridiculous round things with the disco lights. Or sometimes an actual bridge. Yes. Made out of a person. Yes. <laughs> a person named Spanner. Although I guess here we're sort of, the Autobots are sort of the establishment, whereas back then it was the Decepticons who were in control of Cybertron. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It's whoever won is the ones who have the space bridge. Yes, you you know, they're the ones who have infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Infrastructure is important. Oh, sure, especially if you're going to, you know, teleport all over the galaxy and uh, conquer stuff. Yeah. So, yes, I, I, but unfortunately he only got, well, fortunately for, you know, humanity and <laughs> everybody else, he only got part of the Space Bridge schematics. So he's going to need somebody who, uh, somebody to reverse engineer the rest of them. And it just so happens that he kidnapped one of Earth's finest reverse engineers and is now keeping him in kind of a little birdcage. <laughs> it's the bat computer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he's got Isaac Sumdak working in this, and uh, unfortunately Isaac Sumdak doesn't really know anything about space bridges, nor did he ever claim to know anything about space bridges. <laughs> or did he even claim to know anything about that? Like, I, I do have to say that even though, you know, it, it it's something he's going to work on, this does sort of, uh, it, it is a nice, not doing the thing where someone, we'll, we'll call it the Marvel Doctor thing. Yes. Where if someone knows any kind of engineering or science, they immediately know, like, 
everything that even vaguely falls into that category. Because he says that he basically is like a mechanical engineer, not a space bridge, not a teleportation engineer. It's not like that old issue of Thor where Don Blake, a medical doctor and uh, alter ego of Thor, builds a robot. Yes, that's that's yeah, exactly the, right. the Marvel Universe. Know, actually, clearly in the Marvel Universe, every doctoral degree includes at least one semester of robot construction. Yeah, that's, that's very important. Or like how Doctor uh, Doctor Kurt Connors, who is uh, also who is sort of a medical doctor, or at least was a like war battlefield surgeon, and also a herpetologist, uh, was able to translate an ancient Sumerian tablet. <laughs> He's a doctor. Uh, I think there's like some sort of Stanley line of dialogue. Oh, these symbols. It's just like a like a scientific formula. <laughs> no. Nice try, no. Stanley. Uh, well, if you're going with Sumerian, that's kind of close. He's a lizard scientist. St- yeah, yeah. And also sometimes just a lizard. Yeah. He anyway, took it's knowledge, to- knowledge. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have a degree in science. <laughs> anyway, it seems that maybe Sumdeck isn't even that good at building robots because the service robot that he's got working for him just goes nuts and Megatron has to kill it. Also, I I would like to point out that Megatron is continuing to be like a a manipulative jerk here. Oh yeah, he's great. We've we've established here like the Autobots can't find them because they are, you know, hiding behind something that's blocking the ability to find them. But Megatron's all like, oh, they haven't come looking for you because they don't care about you. Yes. And it's like, wow. <laughs> because you betrayed them by bringing me back to life. Yes, and your value to me is the only thing keeping you alive. Yeah, which is just straight up lying and manipulation. Like, what the hell, Megatron? I mean... Megatron is fantastically evil on this show. Yes, this is this is well, some, yeah. some A-plus evil Megatron. Yeah, well, in the re- last season, he was lying by omission. Now he's exaggerating from how, basically how he would think. Not so much how he knows the Autobots think, because he hasn't talked to the Autobots this season. Yeah. Well, no, I think it's... I think he's intentionally... Oh, yeah. Manipulate. His intent is manipulation. Yeah. All right. So, uh, does anybody? Or sorry, uh, what was I talking about? I Okay. So, we've uh, Dinobots. He, oh, sorry. Before that, though, he blasts this drone, and indeed, embedded in this drone, there's a tiny chunk of Allspark. Ooh, fancy. Now, was this always there, or did Megatron just get really lucky on his loot drop? I think he just got really lucky. Although, it, I mean, these things are just popping up everywhere. Yeah. Presumably, like, if you're in Detroit, you're just, like, combing them out of your hair, and you find, find them, them in, in your, your cereal. Yeah. Ooh, a prize. So it's like those O parts in uh, Robots in Disguise, the <laughs> first one. Yes. Oh. But at least they were buried under, well, they were buried underground thousands or millions of years ago, or yeah. whatever the hell that was. <laughs> Oh, O-parts. Oh, those O-parts. Yes, and so we are setting up what is going to be the whole thing for the uh, the rest of the season. 
Yes. In which those things sort of confer uh, varying degrees of sentience upon machines. So it's possible Megatron just committed murder there. <laughs> Good job. Thanks, Megatron. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't care. He's Megatron. And indeed, as he's talking about this, we see that uh, a similar chunk of the Allspark has uh, ended up in the, an assembly line building those Ed 209s. <laughs> that, can't, that can't be good. Oh, man. They're going to end up like Mr. Kenny in that uh, first RoboCop movie. Oh, no. <laughs> I am authorized to use physical force. Uh, so it goes nuts, and Porter C. Powell calls up Sorry to say, hey, uh, you know. This uh, this is going uh, this is going nuts, and you're the boss, so go fix this eight year old. Yeah. So this is how is like, any of this legal? Anytime there's like a, an iPhone bug that they call up Tim Cook and make him come fix it, <laughs> it's not helping. Well, if there's a bug in an iPhone factory, they should. I mean, I guess, if, and also the factories are going like and killing people. I guess that would be a Samsung factory. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she knows that, you know, as an eight-year-old, she's not really going to be able to do much about this. So she uh, uses her key to actually slice through the force field surrounding this ship, which, okay, sure. Well, it, it's a key. It, it makes doors. doesn't just unlock them. Sure. I'll buy that, <laughs> possibly for a dollar. <laughs> So she gets in and is immediately confronted by Jazz, who we get a hilarious wild take from. Aww, it's pretty good. This this Jazz is is pretty precious. He's so good. I wish he'd gotten more to do. Yes, and he shows up a couple of times later on, but he does not get, we do not get enough Jazz. And I really like... Which is also uh, inspired by the 2007 film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, he transforms into a car that is kind of a an animated version of whatever it was that he transformed into in the first... Was it an, an eclipse? A Pontiac Solstice, I think. Solstice. Yes. I knew it was something like that. Sol- <laughs> something Solstice, eclipse. It, it's also a little bit Porsche for the headlights. Sort of. And it and does of course, have it's very got, G1 deco. Yes. And it is a really sweet-looking car. Yes. So he, he decides that, you know, he will just, uh, he will chaperone the Autobots to this crisis because he is very interested in seeing Earth. Hmm. After he becomes convinced that Sari will not slime all over him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I love Sari's first instinct is not to assuage his fears, but try to leverage them. Yeah, he's doing a bunch of monster faces. Yes. Oh, he's great. And meanwhile, speaking of people who do not want to see the rest of Earth, uh, Optimus has uh, taken Sentinel and Magnus on a field trip to Dinobot Island. I mean, he wants to take them to where this happened, and this did happen on Dinobot Island. We just forgot about it because we didn't actually see the Dinobots there. (laughs) We saw them check in with the Dinobots, but then the Dinobots did not actually continue being there. And indeed, Optimus is all, hey, maybe don't hassle the Dinobots. Uh, at which point, Sentinel immediately hassles the Dinobots. Because Sentinel. You can get him to just do anything you want to. Just tell him not to. Hey, he's like an unruly five-year-old. Yeah. 
And unfortunately, the Dinobots are also like unruly five-year-olds, but they're very strong unruly five-year-olds who turn into robot dinosaurs, so they kind of kick his ass. (laughs) (laughs) They have weapons made of fire. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Forcing Ultra Magnus to uh, go all Thor and uh, bring down the lightning. Yeah, what the hell, man? That was cool. That was cool. I I forgot that he could do that. I thought it was just like a shot lightning or something. No, I mean, I guess it, it's like uh, it's like battle beasts. Uh, you know, lightning beats fire. I guess that doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. But it does seem like something Derek Wyatt would base something on doing this. Yes, yes it does. That's although I, I don't think lightning. I think it was wood, water, and fire. I just think of that commercial wood. Yeah, I I think eventually there was a fourth one that did pump all of them, but I can't remember what it was. What? That's that's op, man. Like those guys who are always trying to come up with four things in rock, paper, scissors. Those people were all jerks. Yes. Yes, they were. Alright, so back at this, uh, this plant, the, uh, the Ed 209s are fighting the Autobots. Uh, Jazz uses his nunchucks to, uh, smash a bunch of them, which he notes is Metallicato. Yeah. And he mentions the five servos of doom. Yes. <laughs> Metallicato was uh, first used in Generation 1 as uh, the martial art practiced by the skeleton samurai Decepticon Bludgeon. I do appreciate in here that it's not just like everyone who does any kind of martial arts has their own like single thing that they do and everyone has a different one, because that was always kind of silly. Yeah. So, yeah. He, he notes that uh, Prowl apparently didn't complete his cyber ninja training. <gasps> oh, no. Which, again, plot point. That's going to come up later. <laughs> There's a lot on this episode that is setting up the rest of the season. Yeah, I forgot that about impressive. a bunch of this. Yeah. So uh, Magnus, Optimus, and Sentinel get there as well. Uh, Sentinel just wants to get out of there because he doesn't want to be contaminated by filthy organics. <laughs> He's, I, he was kind of a jerk before, but now he's he's, he's practically a uh, Beast Machines Megatron here. Yeah. No more, like, well, Megatron had put organics in himself to become a dinosaur. Sentinel's just like a super germaphobe. Yeah. Or possibly a racist. I'm not sure what exactly. <laughs> well, that that's kind of a side effect of his germaphobia. If germs were people... Germophobia would be racism. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. And in this uh, case, the germs he's worried about are people. Human germs. Ah, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And he does kind of pronounce it like human, like he's a Ferengi or something. <laughs> yeah, and he he does, and that's you know very intentional on the part of the acting. Mm-hmm. Oh no, uh, Townsend Coleman is great on this. Yes. He's a delight. <laughs> so yeah, they get into the assembly line. They, uh, Sari gets her, uh, her key into it and she actually shuts it down while Magnus, uh, uses the, uh, the, the, uses Mjolnir to, actually I think it has a name, but I can't remember what it's called. It might just be the just Magnus like, Hammer. Yeah, I think it's just I like think the it Magnus is. Hammer. Since, as we will find out, Magnus is also a uh, a rank. A rank, like Prime. So Which I is... guess his first, so I guess his name before this was just Ultra? 
Maybe. Maybe it was. And at one point, he would have been Ultra Prime. That's kind of a cool name. Yeah. I, I, I have to say that this is definitely very different take from Prime as a title nowadays being like some sort of ridiculous religious ma- major significance thing. Yeah, it's weird. That whole 13 Primes thing just... Mm. I kind of like some of the stuff they end up doing with it in Transformers Prime, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this key is just stuck in there. And Sentinel Prime is getting agitated. He's talking about how he's going to get Optimus Tribe Reason. But he can't pull rank because, as they are both primes, they are of equal rank. Yes. So he solves the problem himself by just slicing this console to pieces using... There's like a kind of an anime sound effect here. <laughs> yes. Yay. I assume David can further quantify this. I just know, oh yeah, it's that kind of anime sound effect when something gets like yeah. sliced apart. Sword <laughs> slashy thing. Yeah. You know, that. And indeed, they find that chunk of Allspark in it. Yay! And Very so nice. Ultima- it's a little crystal shard. Yes. And so Ultramagnus now fully buys uh, Prime Story, and Sentinel Prime still does not. Because <laughs> Sentinel Prime... Is a jerk. Yes, and so Magnus is all. Well, Optimus is, you know, he's he's done. You know, he's used strategic thinking and he's loyalty toward he's loyal towards his uh, teammates. And those are all things that you could use because you suck. Because <laughs> you're kind of a jerk. <laughs> so he exhibited the qualities of a true leader: strategic thinking, determination, and above all, loyalty. <laughs> Giving him a look like yes. Him. We cut back to Sumdac Systems. The day has been saved, but Sari cannot get into her office. Mm, no. Because Powell, has, he is now CEO and chairman of the board, because the board, I guess, decided that maybe having an eight-year-old CEO is a bad idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be Powell fair. has pulled a, a season two Megatron finale. Yes. So no longer exists. Please. Yes. Because, yeah, there's no, there's no will, there are no adoption papers, she doesn't have a birth certificate, and, or a social security number. There's no, no, wonder way she's, no wonder she's being homeschooled. Kidding. Yeah. Like, jeez, I mean, we're eventually gonna find out where she comes from, sort of, and, listen, Isaac Sumdak, you're a rich guy. Get some fake IDs. <laughs> yeah, you should have been some level of something. I mean, getting a social security number at least. I mean, Clark Kent has, uh, as you know, a social security number, and his parents were dirt farmers from Kansas. <laughs> Come up with something. You can manage this. Come on. Say so you adopted her from somewhere or something. Because, you know, you got to plan, you got to plan ahead for this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you're a CEO, you're making, you know, Crazy robots. Maybe something's going to happen. He's a mechanical engineer, not a good parent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what if he wa- what if she wants to go to college? She's going to need a social security number. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's possible. We don't know if she ages normally. Maybe she's been eight for like 30 years. Oh. Uh, I wouldn't think so. That, that probably would have come up by other employees. I 
do find it kind about? of curious, and I don't know that this is so much as a of a criticism. It's just something that's that's an interesting thing. But there's never any mention of her having, you know, a, a mother. No. Like she doesn't have any sort of like angst over a mom who died when she was a baby or questions. <laughs> I mean, or, or I guess divorce. that does make it even more curious as to what exactly she told Prime about where babies come from. Yeah. <laughs> if she doesn't realize that maybe a mother is a thing that, that one should have. But when a daddy loves his laboratory very, very much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that is kind of what ends up happening. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, that is the episode. We are left with a uh, a pretty good reaction shot from uh, Sorry Sumdak, who has learned that you know she may or may not be a person. <laughs> Legally, she's not a person. She's Aww. an unperson. Aww, poor kid. And that is the episode. It is. It really does set up a lot of stuff. It sets up basically the entire following season. Yeah, that it does. And I think you know we get good character work on the uh, the elite guardsman. Yeah, and I always enjoy Sentinel because he's so terrible. <laughs> he is. He's so terrible. Such a dick. What was was there a Sentinel in the comics first, or is this the first Sentinel who has like? Well, there was well, occasionally was... a mention of a Sentinel Prime as a previous Prime, but he was never really... Yeah, I remember, or... like, in G1 or something, his name dropped or something, there yeah, was... Yeah, I think he showed up in maybe Dreamwave briefly, but he never was a character until this, and then right. then he shows up a bunch in the IDW comics, and, he, of course, he was also in uh, Dark of the Moon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, with Leonard Nimoy, it's like that, uh, when he showed up in the movie, it's like, oh, he's going to be the bad guy. It's like there was... We've seen other Sentinels at that point. I mean, none of them were, like, that bad, though. Hey, I was surprised. being completely evil. I admittedly, I was surprised myself. I was not. Yeah. Seeing that movie. They completely lampshaded. They do. How badly they lampshaded in that movie. I I personally feel that one of my favorite tropes is uh, thematically appropriate Star Trek episodes playing... <laughs> because uh like X Men First Class did that and it's, it's a thing and I love it's it. It's an annoying specifically th- Star Trek. It annoys me every time except for the first time I saw it in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> it's the only time it works. I must miss that uh, Star Trek episode with uh where they have to come up where they have to find uh, two Frank Welker voiced uh, genius goblins. Ah, <laughs> uh, Frank Wilker. Anyway, so that is the episode. Uh, I think uh, you know it, it's a it's a good time. It's a good introduction to the season. And of course, we have fun back, beating up hordes of Ed two hundred nines. Yes. Yes. And we'll be back next week with uh, a, uh, return of the headmaster, in which uh, the headmaster may or may not return. Spoilers: He does return. <laughs> man, this episodes, man. But until then, you're not going to master any heads. Yes. Ooh. 
But until then, you can find us all over the internet. We are on uh, Tumblr, we're on Twitter, and we're on Facebook. And we are hosted by IconUnderground.net, uh, where we have a Patreon set up to help support this and our our uh, news show, Icon Underground Radio. That is at Patreon.com slash Icon Underground. And we will soon have a new Patreon-exclusive episode where we talk about uh, The Last night. Yay, we Which have opinions. We will finally answer the question of whether you realize that everyone you know one day will die. <laughs> Why am I floating in space like this? <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, check that out. Help us out with our hosting costs and equipment upgrades and all that sort of stuff. And you can, uh, you can find us on whichever uh, podcast uh, service you prefer, whether it be iTunes or Google Play. Uh, Either one, please rate and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. And if you want to let us know how you feel, then please write into the Maxim Mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com. So until next week, when the Headmaster returns, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. Learn me. Yes, yes, I do. I'll be right back. I should probably refill my water. Okay. So, uh, are the five servos of doom, an inverted atomic drop, an icon leg sweeper, a backbreaker, an elbow drop from the second rope, and a sharpshooter? They're rebroadcasting Summer Games Done Quick 2016 because Summer Games Done Quick 2017 starts next week. I guess I keep forgetting it's summer already. I mean, it's obviously warm outside, but I just uh, forgot that we had the uh, solstice a couple of days ago. Yeah, we just passed the solstice a little bit ago. Somehow not seen last night yet. I understand there's is there's a post credit scene. There is what? It, it during credits immediately after they start putting up names. Oh, okay. There, yeah. Wait, was it the the one in the desert, or is there one after that? It's the one in the desert that reveals the thing that had been revealed twice already. Okay, because <laughs> as soon as that played, I had to run to the bathroom. I said, screw it, Michael Bay doesn't have after credit shit. <laughs> okay, so this isn't a make people stay with me till the end of the credits and then explain who Howard the Duck is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, especially since trying to explain anything in this movie is like, 
it doesn't mean the same thing it does in other continuities. If it right. means anything at all. <laughs> I feel like if it means anything at all is, is fairly relevant and significant there. I mean, it looks like complete insanity, so I'm really looking forward to it. It makes <laughs> that sounds about right. more yeah. sense than some of the others. I mean, I could, you know, you could watch the trailers for the other ones and kind of get a sense of what's going on. Yeah, that's true. The, the trailers for this are, I think, more misleading or more confusing because there's so much happening in this movie that makes enough sense while you're watching the movie, but out of context, it's crazy. You've got Evil Optimus Prime, you've got Anthony Hopkins doing something, you've got Nazis, you've got King Arthur, you've got some sort of goblins. You've got Marky Mark. Marky Mark's in there. His funky bunch has been reduced to one guy. <laughs> 